Hi, you're with Julian on the Brown Note and a Gone But Forgotten, which is my occasional series on usually an album, sometimes a band, and infrequently a movie that was either denied classic status on release and or has been forgotten about. So it came from the radio show where I'd feature an album where I thought, well, no one ever mentions this album anymore and I already feel like I've made the wrong choice. Particularly as I've got about eight new albums to review, uh, which I'm, I've got one new review album coming up. Um, I'm going to do Leftism by Left Field, and I kind of feel like I should have chosen their second album, Rhythm and Stealth, because has Leftism really been that forgotten? I think in some ways it has, and I think a part of that is due to the fact that there was, like, the... the from about 89 to 95, Britain went through one of the most fertile periods of electronic music in history, in global history. And it centred around a sh uh, two paradigm shifts led by the duo Orbital, which was moving the electronic dance record from the dance floor onto an album-length project, which they kind of pioneered uh, and it became the de facto receptacle for um, a lot of electronic music acts like the Chemical Brothers, the Prodigy, Underworld and Leftfield, who all came through around the same time. And the, and the other one was Orbital appearing on the, the main stage, the Pyramid stage at Glastonbury on TV throughout the UK, which was like a landmark event, and moved these bands into the live arena or where rock stages used to be an outside of a club so that was a huge deal and as i said those acts um it kind of i guess Britpop for dance music was kind of big beat um it sort of petered out into this sort of fat boy slim era a bit which i'm not as fond of but i think those uh, the earlier wave of music by orbital underworld and the chemical brothers the prodigy I think has stood up magnificently. You know, they're fantastic albums and their live concerts were amazing. I went to loads of them at the time. And Leftfield, I feel, maybe have been forgotten about a bit more because they stopped after Rhythm and Stealth in 1999, their second album, and didn't release another album for 16 years. So maybe that, because, the, because Orbital and Underworld and The Prodigy and all these acts continued on and released multiple projects and were festival staples for many years uh, maybe leftism became like this holy bible album but maybe rhythm and stealth would have been the um the correct choice here so leftfield were very very influential a duel of neil barnes and paul daly and um they were so influential that their fusion of house music with dub and reggae reggae was um named progressive house they actually have the entire genre of progressive house pretty much created to describe their music. And I guess it's the biggest insult of all to describe leftism as progressive house because it is, it is an overreaching view of electronic music in the UK at that time, which touches on a lot of different strands that were woven together. Um, and probably, I, I, I guess, Underworld and Orbital and those acts were leaning a little bit more towards techno than house, whereas the Leftism album does probably lean more towards house than the other acts that were around them at the time. 
and certainly the prodigy and uh, the chemical brothers weren't really you know house artists at all so leftism actually is a collection of tracks that were released in the early 90s and put together as an album but i feel it has held up incredibly well as an overview of british electronic music and also as an album that's 30 years 10 25 years later um, 28 years later has stood the test of time to be defined as a landmark classic that still sounds spectacular today it came out in 1995 um, and was very acclaimed on release but looking back on it recently um, I'll just get the track list up because I've put some notes down as I was, I was listening I've given it another few plays <laughs> It's one of those albums that I've just always gone back to. And it's also one of those albums that on the C it was a perfect CD length album. How long is it? 70 minutes, virtually on the dot, which says a lot. Um, it was one of those albums that uh, British people had. It, um, if you went around for a dinner party, the CD case would have Portishead's Dummy. It would have Air Moon Safari. It would have Leftism. Everyone. Uh, the first track, Release the Pressure, like I said, most of these tracks, well, I think one of the, like, you could have a collection of singles that would be ostensibly much more disjointed than this album pans out. It's sequenced so well. The duo didn't really like it when it came out. Um, but I think the sequencing on the album has been one of the keys to its success. And the other thing is that being a collection of individual singles that built up over a few years has lent individual tracks to be very very strong so we get release of pressure straight off it's a great entrance and one of the things you notice straight away is, is how prominent vocals are on this album and we get a very strong dub reggae vocal in a way that horace andy used to do for massive attack as well and the other thing is the production of the duo is sparkling it's just gorgeous productions throughout um and it's sort of it a nice trick they do is they build up sort of like a mid-tempo realm of a track and at the halfway stage they plateau it or they'll ele they'll elevate it by introducing some synth pattern that makes everything much more exciting and they do that with um, one of the longest tracks on the album release of pressure but also one of the most easy to listen to um the second track afro left another single is a lot more pumping and uh it's slightly more difficult it's a more aggressive track it's got a non-english african vocal this time rather than a caribbean english reggae vocal vocal uh, it's got a really compelling string riff on it as well uh, i don't even know what the instrument is and um, the temperature is a lot hotter on this track particularly when it, again at the mid stage they just have this incredible pulsing strobe it's a real out of the gates start to the album which is a little bit more club than their contemporaries would have been i feel like often um there was a stately grace to the opening and unfurling of albums by people like orbital and underworld whereas this is really clubby um and i think those acts were much more clubby when they were live than they were on their records often um one thing that continually comes up in leftism is this the idea that you're in a science fiction movie and you're journeying through space and i thought track three melt 
really had that interstellar voyage and travel element and reminded me of the Krautrock Legends um, Harmonia and their album Deluxe. It's the first instrumental and it's a, a real come down after that sort of quite pulverizing opening 15 minutes of out and out dance music. Um, and you kind of don't know where the album is going to go. Um, Song of Life track four is a real, um, probably the, the, the grandest epic on the album. It sounds quite dull for a little while, but it goes through multiple stages where it picks up. Um, it's got that uh, Papua New Guinea future sound of London vibe, and then it drops these really um, big acid keys in, and then it hits a really hard four to the floor beat, going from a very sort of mid tranquil opening into this really quiet pulverizing track. It's a real epic and kind of um, reinvents the album and where it's going. And I think that if there's a one point that launches this album away from being a collection of fantastic borderline house music, um, it's track five original. Using the lead singer of Curve, who were a shoegaze adjacent band in the early 90s, and she was probably alongside Mickey from Lush because of her hair and her looks, a very prominent indie lead singer in that era. Um, she was like a little bit Debbie Harry, maybe a dark haired Debbie Harry. And um, she gives a vote. Original might actually be the greatest trip hop song of all time. Or maybe that's Teardrops, uh, Teardrop by Massive Attack. It probably is Teardrop by Massive Attack. But then this would probably be second. I would... If anyone wants to, so if anyone's not heard uh, the album Leftism, it that's a good track to put on. On just go on YouTube and put on uh, Left Field Original. It's so gorgeous, the way it's got this sci-fi weave in, and then this do 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 do, incredibly halting bassline. It's so atmospheric, and Halliday's vocal is really well used. Uh, they use her in a lot of different um, vocal styles throughout the track. Um, Film starts, film ends, nothing is said in between. Um, I thought it was really, it's got a Jean-Michel Jarre vibe to these, um, very atmospheric uh, synth lines in the background. Will it ever be the same again? Um, some really memorable lyrics. The closest the album comes to being Portishead's Dummy, really. An incredible track and the third best track on the album. Well, it's tough. It's an album with virtually nothing that is, you know, a, a below a seven and a half out of ten track-wise. It's um, and most tracks are probably eight and a half to nine and a half out of ten. Um, but original is, I think, is it kind of pushes the album into being something truly spectacular rather than just another really good album. Um, Black Flute after that is a very orbital short and um, on an album where. Almost every track is over six minutes. It's only uh, three minutes and 40, which is by miles the shortest. Um, and it sort of picked up the tempo after the very stately and graceful original. Um, back into Prog House for Space Shanty, another really big track. Um, and again, it, it, the whole album has this really um, traveling through interstellar space vibe about it that continually gets referenced by the synths. And it's got a great electric riff in it, um, probably closer to the Chemical Brothers than anything else, and their sort of big room music than anything else on the album. 
And it's interesting for an album that is called so, you know, Prog House and other acts were then called Prog House. For the final one, five tracks, there's really not anything that you would call house on here. They go back to the um, London sound clash sort of vibe with uh, Inspection Check One. Um, which is a very sort of um, like the kind of music um, the bug would make with London Zoo, though not as pulverizingly heavy, but very sort of Notting Hill carnival um, sound clash sort of stuff. Um, really, really good. And um, the final two tracks proper, um, given that the final track, 21st Century Poem, is a real fade out with not much elements and a deliberate come down track, but we get two tracks in a row that are the best on the album and it really does push it over into perfection for me. Storm 3000 is my favourite track on the album. It's an insane and beautiful and incredibly classy take on jungle and drum and bass and it's got some of the most wicked breakbeats ever used. And these really heavy acid synth lines, it's so good. Um, like I said, my favourite on the album, one of my favourite tracks of all time. And it's got this incredible breakdown where it just sort of goes to a halt with this dripping acid synth before rearing up again. And that's followed by Open Up, which is the most famous song on the album. Um, so the best two tracks on the album really are the last what, 13 minutes on the album. Um, John Lydon's best vocal take outside of Public Image Limited or the Sex Pistols. It's an iconic track. It's still not really being bettered for what it does, or there isn't really anything completely like it. His vocal is so passionate and it fits the style of music, which is, I guess, really thumping, banging techno, really. Um, and it was one of the biggest hits from the album. I think in the modern era, you know, the, the whole notion of the chorus of Burn Hollywood Burn would be very, very interesting for many, uh, perhaps on the right. But yeah, the lyrics are quite enigmatic, really, because it's, it's difficult to... He's very angry at something specific, and it's not exactly clear in what way or why. Um, a lot is thrown up in the air here, but it's a terrific track. And then we get a sort of like... Vangelis Blade Runner fade out with uh, 21st century poem so I think it stood the test of time it's hugely influential it's a beautiful representation of the incredible five years that British electronic music had uh, at the start of the 90s it stood the test of time and the majority of tracks are above great and it's sequenced beautifully. The production is just sparkling and gorgeous. And it is really varied and um, overall front back to listen, a perfect listening experience. So I'm going to give Leftism by Leftfield a Gone But Forgotten 10 out of 10. 